I'm proud to announce that this episode is sponsored by Joanna Benefield of Keller Williams of Southeast Alabama of Dothan, Alabama, 334-796-7085. Hey there, Dawn. How are you doing? Good, Sherry. How are you? Doing good. I, doing I'm excited good. for this one. <laughs> I know you are because... We're kind of shifting gears here. I decided to pick a case that I know would be close to your heart. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those. The husband did it. Yeah. I, you know, I am happily married. I want people to know that it's not that I'm anti-men or anything like that. I just, it's just the way that Dateline has molded me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes, I, I saw a shirt the other day. I said I was going to get and send to you that says the husband did it. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, that's just where your mind goes. It's not always accurate, but it just seems that way. Well, we we know in the real world, the investigation always starts with the husband. Yes, you know, the or closest the, the, person. The closest person, the spouse, the significant other, that's just the logical place because they're the, the closest person to the victim. Yeah, so, I was going to ask you always. too, um, we started watching last night, there's a show that's called I Am a Murderer or I Am a Killer, and it's like the third season, it just started, and it's a fascinating show if you've never watched it. They interview people in jail and stuff that have committed murders. Have you seen it? I have. I have. Yes, okay. I have seen it. I have started it. I, I don't believe I've made it to season three, but I have started watching. I love all those shows. I've been, you know, I've watched Making a Murder. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Oh, that is a whole conspiracy within itself. That would be like a, a whole show. That would be your show. You could talk about it forever and ever. That that case was mind blowing. It is. There's so many rabbit holes. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway, so we were watching um, last night and saw a preview. We wanted to see if we had already seen it before and it was a new season. So we hadn't. But this lady that's like the police is like, 911, what's your emergency? And she said, uh, my husband's dead. I just shot him. I shot him six times in the stomach and 12 times in the head. And they're like, oh, oh okay. God. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I think she was battered. I'm not trying to make light of any of the, you know, it was just like, wow, that was right to it. And that was just in the opening, the preview. So I thought, well, I'm sure there's a story behind it, but we didn't watch that episode. It was still, it was like, wow, okay. That helped them wow. out. Well, well, this is a listener recommended episode. My friend Susie suggested this. The Valentine's Day murder, the murder of Susan Hamilton. Susie, my friend, suggested this and she's like, I just I just don't believe that he he did it. I don't want to believe that somebody can be that cold and calculated. And, <laughs> and, do <laughs> and do it uh, in that short amount of time and that time frame and then go back and do a surgery and then come home and try to make the scene appear that he's innocent. And, and, you know, I tried to be that voice of reason, you know, yeah, when you say that the husband did it, <laughs> when you say the husband did it, I'm the one who says, well, let's look at all the facts <laughs> and lay them out and, and be the logical. Yeah. One. I, and I'm the you knee know, jerk. I, no, 
<laughs> but Susie, I, I love you. But I honestly, after looking at all this, I'm going to lay it out there for the listeners. I'm having a really hard time pulling for him. You know, I'm all for the underdog, but yeah, Susie, don't hate me. I'm sorry, but no, it's a it's a hard no for me. <laughs> so, all right. So, are you ready to dive yes, in? Let's do it. Okay. All right. So here we go. The Valentine's Day murder. The murder of Susan Hamilton. Hey there, listeners. Thanks for joining us on Crime Explorer Shack. I'm your host, Sherry Carroll, joined by my co-host, Dawn. I want to remind you that Crime Explorers is created for mature audiences only. Most of our shows include details of true crime cases that some may find a bit disturbing and or offensive. As an extra heads up, most episodes include discussion of depression, psychosis, suicidal thoughts, rape, and or murders, sometimes even of children. We do our best to hold these topics with intention and sincerity and try to deliver the facts of the cases to bring awareness to our listeners. And as always, the accused are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So I feel obligated to put this trigger warning out before we even get started. We hope that you will join us whenever you feel ready and able. So let's get started to go to the Crime Explorer Shack. So this all starts, it it appears that Dr. John Baxter Hamilton and his wife Susan had a picture-perfect marriage. But, you know, we all know. Right, yeah. Not true. (laughs) Not true. During their 14 years that they were together, he proved that he was just a hopeless romantic. He lavished her with all kinds of fancy gifts. I mean, he gave her a Porsche on the day of their wedding. Oh, geez. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, he gave her jewels. He always just surprised her with flowers and fancy perfumes. He always gave her expensive presents and luxurious holidays, trips to islands and just all kind of amazing vacations. Was it uh, I mean, second was just, marriages for both of them? Yes, okay. it was. Okay. Yes. Um, so after meeting in 1985, they married two years later. So they dated for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and after their marriage, Susan began working at Dr. Hamilton's uh, abortion clinic practice. He had a, a regular practice as an OBGYN and an abor- he worked at the abortion clinic. He was very well known and highly regarded as the OBGYN and their community. From the outside looking in, their life appeared to be perfect to the community. You know, they were just highly regarded within the community. It was Valentine's Day 2001 when Dr. Hamilton left the office between his surgeries to exchange Valentine's Day with Susan. However, when he arrived home, he made a gruesome discovery. In the bathroom, he found Susan laying in a pool of her own blood, deceased. 
he called 911. He sounded, I've, I've heard the 911 tapes. Um, I was trying to get it pulled up to play them here. And uh, the only ones I could find was from Dateline. And there was their commentary in between the 911 exchanges. Right. So I didn't want to play it. He sounded to me, he sounded very excited, but it was almost like a monotone excitement, um, very rushed excitement, but there was no ups and downs and peaks in his voices. And I've worked with 911, and when somebody is talking to you, you can hear raises and, and rises in their dialect and in their they're tired. Right. Yeah. Cause they're excited. They're, they're scared. There's adrenaline. It's all kinds of stuff going on. So their voice is going to be all over the place. Exactly. Now his was, uh, it was a constant tone, but rushed. Yeah. Like professional. So it, yes. So I noticed that it, to me, that part stood out, but I still tried to give him the benefit of the doubt with that. Um, paramedics observed that Susan had been strangled with two of what they assumed, and it turned out to be so, of her husband's neckties. Yeah, which I thought was stupid. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I still gave them the benefit of the doubt. They could have grabbed the ties yeah. and tied her. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. But then I was just like, that just seems so painfully obvious that, I mean, they, they came in empty handed, so they had to use his ties exactly. like that. What? Okay. <laughs> exactly. And so then she was repeatedly bludgeoned to death in her head Awful. or on her head with a blunt object to the point that she was, she was unrecognizable. Yeah. Parts of her brain was exposed. Multiple skull frag fragments um, everywhere, yeah. Awful. basically. From the start, there were so many indicators that led the police to think that Dr. Hamilton was their number one suspect. There was no forced entry into the home. Nothing was stolen from the house. And despite the amount of bloodshed, there was no bloody prints at the scene. And that just really stood out to me. They found blood inside of his shoe and he said well i took my shoes off okay <laughs> i'm if i find my spouse laying down on the floor beat to death i'm not gonna take off my shoes well then he said i was trying to do cpr so my sh I, I i was in such a hurry i my shoes fell off okay were they laced Maybe. were they laced shoes no they were like those little you know, high dollar loafers okay. that these doctors and lawyers wear. So, okay, maybe, but they're not going to be perfectly together at the side of the bathroom door <laughs> where, the, where they were. And then if that's going on, wouldn't you have blood possibly all over your socks? Right. Not like your feet were coming up out of your lo uh, loafers as you were beating the hell out of her in the right. head. Right. Yeah. There's so okay. many things. So many things. Okay. So then they they notice that he's covered in blood, and they're like, "Okay, well, he was 
cradling her. He was trying to give her CPR. Well, the paramedics were like, nah, he's a doctor. But the way he was giving her CPR was not the way a doctor should be giving CPR. So the police is like, huh, what do you mean? He wasn't giving her CPR the way a doctor should be giving CPR. They said CPR is pretty well known how you accurately give somebody CPR. He had a hand on her chest and one on her abdomen and was pushing up and down. Oh, my God. Well, he knew she was dead anyway. True, but wouldn't you have your hands together pumping her chest and make sure that she gets at least some oxygen? Yeah. He's not taking any chances, just in case. So that set off all kinds of alarm bells to these guys. And they're like, nah, uh, this this math ain't math. No, (laughs) no. Mm -mm. So the police decide "Mm, we're going to go look. Okay. So they start looking around and they, while investigating the home, they found a Valentine's Day card from Susan to John. This is my favorite part of the entire story. (laughs) (laughs) And it read, I bought this two weeks ago, so I guess maybe it doesn't seem as appropriate, but I do love you. Have a great day, Susan. Yeah. She, she bought the card when things were still seemingly okay. Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. she found out more. So this message indicated all kinds of red flags. The police said, well, maybe their relationship isn't as perfect as it seems. So another clue that the marriage may have begun to turn sour was when Susan found that John had been making phone calls to a topless dancer. In fact, there were numerous, even dozens of calls to this woman on his cell phone. So they were beginning to wonder, did, he, did she catch him in an affair? Friends of Susan said that she accused him of having an affair and she began to think about asking him for a divorce. Um, Her best friend, whose name happened to be Sherry, said that she was not sure she could trust him anymore. She was confiding in her about, you know, they were trying to work things out just a couple weeks before Valentine's Day. And even John called Sherry, which I have a whole problem with because if we're having problems in my relationship, you go talk to your friends. Right. You know, don't, don't try to bust up who I'm confiding in. You've already messed up my relationship with you and my trust with you. Don't try to turn my friends against me or or my family. So it it just was a, a whole big thing. He, this dancer, this topless dancer, ended up, they found out she was actually a patient of his as well, which major red flags. He is breaking doctor-patient right, rules right. and confidentiality. So,
Are you tired of paying rent for something that's not yours? Or maybe you're looking to purchase your first home. I mean, right here where I live in Dothan, Alabama, I am less than two hours away from some of the most beautiful beaches known to mankind and just a couple of hours away from the Great Smoky Mountains. And, you know, let's not forget SEC football, Roll Tide. So if you're looking for a home or know someone else who's looking to purchase their first home, contact my friend Joanna Benefield with Keller Williams Realty of Southeast Alabama. Now, she's going to yell War Eagle, but I still love her. So contact Joanna and let her put you in your dream home today. You can reach her at 334-796-7085. Again, that number is 334-796-7085. And we'll be glad to welcome you with some of our Southern hospitality. Um, at the trial, Dr. Hamilton had numerous supporters. The community refused to believe that Dr. Hamilton would be capable of such a crime. And, and to his defense, I mean, he had a very tight timeline. He had a surgery like at eight o'clock that morning and then another one scheduled at like 10, 10, 15. So the timeline was very tight. Right. Um, Angela Horton, who is Susan's daughter by her first marriage, testified in the Oklahoma County District Court that her mother just really was not sounding like herself, although she was trying to act strong. She testified that her mother told her, I'm scared and I've never felt so alone in my life. And she was like known to be a really strong woman, right? Wasn't she just like it, a no-nonsense you break up with this stripper or I am divorcing your ass basically. Yes. Yes. Well, and what I love so much about the card was just that she was like circling parts. They were showing it on Dateline and I think forensic files too. She would circle random parts in the card and then draw an arrow and say, this was before Monday or this was like, I exactly two weeks ago. So this doesn't (laughs) count either. It's like, why even give him the card? It's so funny. Exactly. It's just like, here, exactly. open this and read it in front of me. Yes, this is before you messed up, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not getting chocolate or anything else. Exactly. So Angela said that, you know, her mother making that statement that she'd never felt so alone in her life was just totally out of character for her mom and she testified in in the first degree murder trial of her stepfather you know that at one point her and dr john baxter hamilton were very close she was very close to her stepdad she said that susan was very upset very sad and you could tell that she had been crying she just didn't sound like my mom mm. end quote Horton told jurors that her mother had been upset because she had suspected her husband was having an affair with a patient. Susan Hamilton, who was 55 at the time of her death, had discovered on her husband's telephone bill some 60 cell phone calls to a stripper and many, many more texts. The victim told her daughter in their last telephone conversation that she and her husband were working on their problems. Mm. John Hamilton and Aliana Aguirre 
the topless dancer, deny that they were ever having an affair. Aguirre said that the defendant was her doctor and he gave her free samples of antidepressants she needed when she could not afford them. Aguirre testified the defendant was calling her 10 or more times a day. <laughs> how, are, how are the pills working? Are they working now? <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. She loved to talk to John, Horton said. She loved him, but at times she insinuated that it was just too much, which is another red flag of someone who is very controlling and dominating. Yeah. So I thought that they had said on one of those shows that that he was like shy and she thought that he was about to ask her out on a date, but that nothing ever happened. She would dance for him, but that she, she anticipated that he was trying to take things further, but he never actually came out and said it. But I don't, how could mm -hmm. that be? Like, what were they texting about then? What were they talking on the phone mm -hmm. about? Just the weather? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, it makes you want to, you know, say, honey, you're talking to another woman's husband that many times a day. No, Let's share the same that's phone number. Not okay. <laughs> exactly. The last four digits of your number is the same as the strippers. <laughs> I know. Yeah, my husband asked the other night. He's like, uh, yeah, Sherry, her last four digits is the same as yours. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> yeah, where were you on February 14, 1985 or whatever? 2001. I was like, uh, my son was a month old. <laughs> so after Angela's testimony, the trial in the trial it all came down to blood evidence because you know they never found a weapon no the back door was open mm -hmm. and that was it mm -hmm. that was well they did find a weapon well no you're right they didn't find the weapon no. but they the maid um knew what was missing off the counter Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay sorry if mm -hmm. you were gonna say yeah. that they never <laughs> no they never they they only found the ties but they they never located what was used to You're hit right. her. Yes, mm -hmm. and you know later on they found her expensive jewelry bagged up and put into one of her dresser drawers. Oh, like why did he do that? Like was he trying to make it look like somebody was there to rob them? Yeah, that he tried to make that. They feel like he was trying to set it up to look like there was a robbery. He was going to come back and say, this is missing. This is missing. And it was not there. And he could take it and had time to dispose of it later, but he never got that chance because once he went to the department, he was there. Like when they, once he got in the police car to go down for questioning, he was crazy. He they was. said he was beating his head against the, the gate, uh, the cage in the car, and he scratched up his face. Um, they said he had like the little blood spatters, and it was her blood on his face. His sleeves had her blood on it, and um, on the inside, on the inside on the of inside. the sleeve, exactly. And he was, um, when they had him in the interrogation room, you can see he unbuttons his shirt and he looks down on his shoulder and they're like, is he trying to see if he hurt himself on the cage? What, what is he carrying on about? 
and it was just not your normal. Oh no, it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. It was, yeah, he was not acting like a normal grieving husband. And this is supposed to be a doctor. It did not make sense. So at the trial, it all came down to blood evidence. Dr. Hamilton was observed by paramedics covered in his wife's blood. Despite his claim of performing CPR on Susan, there was a lack of blood on his mouth and his face. And not having a trace of blood on his face was impossible given the severity of Susan's injuries to her head and to her mm -hmm. face. Paramedics also observed him performing chest compressions incorrectly. And for a doctor, they found this incredibly strange. Blood was also found on the steering wheel of Dr. Hamilton's car. He claimed to have moved it for the first responders before they arrived at the house. <laughs> but this created major doubt inside of the courtroom. And that's what I was telling you and you and I talked about it the other day. I'm not going to stop CPR on my husband and say, let me move my car for the ambulance. Right, yeah. I, no, Just trying to be polite. Y'all figure your way in because I'm trying to save my husband. Right. No, that made no sense at all. Um, lastly, the defense brought up a crime scene investigator, Tom Bevel, as an expert witness. Um, and he is a blood spatter expert. And they had him testify on the blood evidence. And he claimed that the blood found on Dr. Hamilton was indeed consistent with his story of trying to save Susan. However, he noticed something that the authorities and the prosecutors expert in the blood spatter did not notice. Bevel found blood inside the right sleeve of Dr. Hamilton's shirt sleeve. The defense attorney concluded with asking Bevel if there was anything that the prosecution missed that was important to the case and for the jury to know. Bevel could not keep it to himself that the conclusions he had drawn from the crime scene and he said that the blood found inside Dr. Hamilton's shirt was consistent with Hamilton beating his wife to death with a blunt instrument. And the courtroom fell silent. You could have heard a pin drop. A defense witness testified against his own client. Yeah, unbelievable. And condemned him, condemned him to prison. I mean, that kind of stuff only happens on television. Right, yeah. That's like goosebumps. That's crazy. So uh, Bevel, you know, later told some of the news reporters and stuff that he had to tell the truth. I mean, he was not going to perjure himself, despite the fact that it hurt John Hamilton, who had hired him. He said, ultimately, you take an oath to tell the truth. And that part overrides any allegiance that I have to my client. Good for him. And kudos. Mm -hmm. Kudos to him. Yep. So now Hamilton and his defense attorneys and his defense team have since begun arguing that blood spatter analysis is junk science. And it should not be used as a sole basis to solely convict someone. So... You know me, that gave me, you know, all kind of reasons to go down a rabbit hole and dig a little deeper and figure out, you know, is it really junk science? Right. Because there was, you know, no 
actual murder weapon located at the scene and his DNA and there was no fingerprints bloody fingerprints left at the scene uh, the only thing that they really noticed was there was an attempt made to clean up and that's probably when his pager went off and he got called to hurry back for that second <laughs> surgery yep playtime's over second. john you got to get back to work <laughs> You know, stop cleaning up your crime scene right. and <laughs> get back and save a right. life. You just killed right. one. So, um, the so I dug a little deeper into blood spatter. The first modern study of blood stains occurred in 1895. Blood spatter analysis, um, which was more professionally termed blood stain pattern analysis (BPA), it's not anything new. It's been used in brutal crime investigations since the 1800s. Mm -hmm. um, it was the survive, first surviving modern study of BPA occurred in 1895 when Edward Petrowski from the University of Krakow published a paper entitled On the Formation, Form, and Direction and Spreading of Bloodstains uh, Resulting from Blunt Trauma at the head some long title for a book but that was the name of our <laughs> paper so um, the rather gruesome study that Petrowski undertook involved covering one corner of a room with white sheets now remember this was back in the 1800s he covered one corner of the room with white sheets and studied blood patterns that appeared as he beat rabbits to death Oh, gosh, that's terrible. Yeah, it is. But that's how it first started. Also, the Sam Shepard case, which is thought to have been the inspiration for the television series and subsequent film, The Fugitive, was instrumental in expanding the use of blood spatter analysis techniques throughout the U.S. So July the 4th in 1954, Marilyn Shepard, who was... Um, the wife of neurosurgeon Dr. Samuel Shepard was found beaten to death in Bay Village, Ohio. Right. Um, Dr. Shepard claimed to have been asleep downstairs and he woke up to stop the intruder from killing her and was later convicted to second degree murder. His conviction was overturned in 1966 with the U.S. Supreme Court and he was granted a new trial during which he was found not guilty. Testimony from the University of California at Berkeley biochemistry professor and forensic science pioneer Dr. Paul Kirk was thought to have been an integral part of this new verdict. The crime scene was extremely bloody and the only blood, blood that was found on Dr. Shepard the morning that the body was found was on one knee of his pants, which was not at all consistent with the idea that he was a perpetrator. And since that, that trial, the blood spatter analysis has become much more widespread in the criminal court system. So there's a difference between blood spatter patterns and blood drip stains and blood transfer patterns. And although they're all each a part of the forensic branch of blood spatter pattern analysis, there's distinct differences between blood spatter patterns, blood drips stains and blood transfer and 
they will go into like details between, you know, it falling from an open wound, right. it dripping off of a piece of cloth or dripping off of a weapon and the way it lands on a surface, the impact. Um, so they use that and, and it has only advanced right. throughout the years. And so I believe that Bevel um, was right on with his with his description of it getting inside of Dr. Hamilton's sleeve. There's just really no way that that could have happened. And I'm just a, a lay person. I just don't believe doing CPR is going to travel up the right. sleeve. Well, and he had I droplets just, on I, I his hard shoe, to believe. right? Like on the shoe. Yeah, on his shoe. On the shoe and on the inside of the shoe. And then they found some of her matter, brain matter, on the floor yes. of his car. Uh, on the floor of his car, on the steering wheel, and on the driver's side door. How does that just happen to get there? Yeah. And I'm and and we're not talking just blood. We're talking brain tissue and hair. Blur. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so. Yeah, I, I, to me, that was just a slam dunk right when they showed that it was all over in the inside of his car. There's just no way. Yeah. And, and a human, it's crazy. And a human must lose approximately 40% of his or her total blood volume before they're at risk from death of blood loss. Like a typical male has between five and six liters of blood, while a typical female has between four and five liters. So that right there tells you that the amount of blood on that floor was, yeah. you know, massive. And there would have been trails of it leading out if it was not calculated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So he took off his shoes and I believe that he probably changed socks. I mean, he was going back to that hospital for surgery. Yeah. So there's some socks somewhere with that weapon. Yeah. Was it, did he throw something in the dumpster on his way back in? I, I, I thought I saw that. Know, I don't know. When he got back to the hospital, either that was something that they thought might have happened or they actually. They, I, they did say that they think that that. That he happen. just threw the stuff into the, mm -hmm. right by the hospital. Incinerator. That There's an incinerator at that hospital. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and then yeah. they, they tried to throw the spin in about the abortion clinic. There was people that were picketing or something outside of their house. Yes, that's been the people who believe that he's innocent are saying that it is the protesters because a couple of weeks before the um, there was a wanted dead or alive flyer sent to their house and Susan had opened the mail and it had John's face on it and they were constantly getting calls and you know items thrown in their yard and there had already been some doctors that had been killed in and around their community that were doctors of abortion oh clinics. wow yeah so they they feel like that's a possibility but i think that he was i think they had words he was pissed off about the card <laughs> um, I do. I think he was mad about the card. 
And I think she had finally had enough. And she was saying, you know, I, I just really do want a divorce. And he didn't want that perfect image ruined. So after the evidence with the blood spatter between Bevel's testimony and her stepdaughter Angela's testimony, it only took the jury two hours wow. to find him guilty of first degree murder. And he was sentenced to life in prison, which he still sits today. No, that surprises me that he's still alive. He looked a little rough when he was throwing yeah. himself around in the interrogation room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this one, I can't necessarily give him the, I'm having a hard time giving him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> we need to have like a special bell or something when it ends up being the man. Like, ding, 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 ding. The winner is gone. <laughs> yes, I knew that that one would get you because you like to say that the husband yeah. did it. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like it's that way. Or the spouse, I don't know. Yes, yes. So, Sorry, Susie. <laughs> yes, Susie. Uh, I think that he did it. I'm sorry. if you Feel free to tell me uh, some more details of why you don't think he did it. But, yeah. And I'm interested if any of you out there think that he's innocent. Please comment. Tell us. We'd love to know. For sure. You're, you know, I'm going to post some pictures of him, some pictures of her. So please feel free to give me a, give me and Dawn your outlook on these cases. We'd love to, you know, have some chat about them. See what you, your thoughts and feelings are. About yeah, it. for sure. So, but, uh. Is there anything else you can add, Dawn? I don't think so. I just thought it was so funny when you posted about, what do you think of when you think of <laughs> Valentine's Day? Chocolate, roses, or blood and death and guts? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so perfect. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. It's, it's an interesting story. It's very unfortunate. You know, I feel for her and her whole family, but uh, it seems like a yes. case closed. It is. It definitely is. Yeah, but good so. job, Sherry. Good research and trying to help your friend. <laughs> yes. Yes, I can't wait to see some more uh, listener episodes. Those are Oh, fun. for sure. I yeah. Enjoy those. If anybody has a case yes. they want us to cover, definitely let us know. I, I, It's all interesting. And it doesn't have to be murder either. I like a lot of different kinds yes. of true crime stories. Absolutely. Those are, I love diving into something that interest my listeners yeah so, for sure you know, those are fun so all right so uh if you haven't subscribed be sure you subscribe so you can catch the bonus episodes uh leave us a review and um if you have some suggestions give us a uh, comment or inboxes on facebook or instagram or our email is crimeexplorers at gmail.com awesome and we will see you next week bye everybody Bye.